Turn, if you will, to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter. We'll be in 1 Peter. Then we'll be in Isaiah chapter 26, 1 Peter 1, Isaiah 26, Colossians chapter 3. 1 Peter 1, Isaiah 26, Colossians chapter 3. Had an opportunity last week to get away and try to clear my mind. You never realize how clutter your mind is until you try to clear it. Have you ever tried to clear your mind, but you couldn't clear your mind? It happens on a daily basis when we're involved in life. Uh, just ordinary life can occupy your mind. And, and so I happened to hear a song at the same time. It was an, an older song. And it was saying, I've got my mind set on you. I've got my mind set on you. And I got to realizing, you know, I go through seasons where I realize I think my mind is on something, but it's really not on something. I don't have it set. So I started thinking about my mindset and I hear the phrase, well, I've got a mindset to do this. Have you ever said that? I know what my mindset is. When somebody says that, you know that they're focused on something. Here's my mindset. Our mind can easily wander to places that it shouldn't go. Amen? Amen. Does anybody in here have a mind that wanders to places that it shouldn't go? That's why we use that phrase, mindset. That means that you've purposefully set it in a course, on a direction. You're focused on something. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 13, Peter tells us that even in our Christian life, we can become distracted. Our mind can be focused on so many different things, just in an ordinary life situation, ordinary day. No matter whether it's a relationship we have, no matter whether it's work, no matter whether it's our finances, it could be some kind of health issue, it could be our children, it could be somebody that we know, it could be a situation somewhere. And... Peter was giving us sound advice. He said, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought into you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is a, a huge verse. He's basically saying that we have to make a conscious effort sometimes. And the King James says to gird up the loins of your mind. And so let me... Let me translate if I can. To gird up would be to cinch up as we do. Uh, we use a belt, right? This belt is what holds up my pants, right? But to gird up the loins, he's, ta he's not talking about a physical part. He's talking about what you're wearing. We have scripture references where we even look in the book of Ephesians sometimes and we're talking about the armor of God, and it says that we're supposed to have that, that belt on, that belt of truth, right? Everything's supposed to be contained. And when he's saying, gird up your loins of your mind, he's saying, bring all those thoughts back in so that you can go forward. Because when your mind is here, and your mind is here, and your mind is here, and your mind is here, you're not going forward. Your mind is everywhere. Does that make sense? And Peter's giving us a picture there. He's saying, cinch up all those different places your mind is going. 
I wrote for four hours the other day and never cut on the radio. What's wrong with that? Well, your, your mind is somewhere. I'll go somewhere and I'll realize, hey, I've taken a pretty long trip and I should have at least listened to something. But no, what happens? Your mind is here. Your mind is here. That's not a bad thing. But sometimes you need to be able to bring your mind back in. Sometimes you lose your peace because it's full of thoughts. Can I get a witness or is it just for me? I figured I would go and come back and preach something just for me. So if it hits you, okay, right? It matters if our mind is not focused. Of course, we're going to talk about focusing our mind on the Lord, setting our mind on Him. To set your mind, we also use the phrase to make up your mind. Some people never make up their mind. Do you know a person like that? They never set their mind on anything. They never make up their mind. You're, you're trying to say that for crying out loud, would you please make up your mind what you want to do? There are people that are floundering through this life and they won't make up their mind about anything. That person has no direction. That person has no ambition. That person has no drive because they won't make up their mind. And a lot of those people are products of their parents or grandparents that made up their mind for them for so long but then never gave them enough leeway to, to learn from that and then make their own mind up. But do you know that we're responsible to make our own mind? And I want to show you what the Word of God says. It says that, hey, it is the essence of our peace if our mind is set on the Lord. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4. Listen to this. I don't know how much clearer it can be. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. In this verse, we're being told that our peace is going to come if our mind is focused on the Lord. Now, what do you mean focused on the Lord? Focus on the Lord's ability to do something instead of our own ability. Focused on our relationship with the Lord. Focused on, on our testimony for the Lord. Focused on pleasing the Lord. Focused on the word of the Lord. Focused on our life as a child of God. If our mind is stayed on him, but then it doesn't stop there. It says, for in the Lord Jehovah's everlasting strength, trust in him. Do you know a reason a person never makes their mind or sets their mind to anything? It's because they don't trust in the end result of what they're setting it to. And the reason that people never come into that relationship with the Lord is because they never set their mind. You say, well, preacher, I know that you have to give your heart to the Lord. Right, but do you realize your heart doesn't go where your mind won't go? Something has to happen. You have to set your mind, your course, your direction to even come to him. And he says, for in the Lord, Jehovah is everlasting strength. The reason so many times that our mind wanders is because we're trusting in our own self, our ability to be able to solve whatever situation that we're in. Our peace of mind is dependent on if our mind is on the Lord and our relationship with him, or if our mind's not set on him. So our last scripture, our jumping off scripture, Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, we'll just read verses 1 through 4. We're told clearly as Christians, and this is speaking to Christians. 
If ye then been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. I want you to notice how he said, set your affection. Set your affection, verse 2, on things above. That's not just thinking about what we think about things above. Well, heaven is above, and God is above, and we hear about the, the pearly gates and the golden streets. It's talking about set your mind on things that have to do with the Lord. Set your mind on things that he can do, not that you can do. Set your mind on pleasing him. Set your mind on your relationship with him. Set your affections means set your, set your mind, which means think on, dwell on. Now, how many times have you had to reel your mind back in? Have you had to gird up your mind and set it back on what the Lord, you know the Lord wants you to do? I know it happens. And I know that when it happens, you're usually in a state where you just do not have any peace. Because you live in that state of indecision where you're not making your mind up on anything. You're factoring, do you think this will work? Do you not think this will work? And a Christian shouldn't go through life living in that insecurity. Colossians chapter 3, Paul was speaking to this church at Colossae. As he said to set your affection, I want you to get the picture here. To set your affection is to set your mind and I want you to think about a, a compass. I know people don't use compasses anymore, but I still like that little feature on my, my truck that tells me if I'm going north or northwest or south or southwest, right? But the Boy Scouts use a compass. Soldiers use a compass. Somebody that's navigating uses a compass. Sailors use a compass. Why? Because it, it points them in a direction. So he's saying, set your affection, set your mind. And I want you to get the picture of a compass. A compass points north so that we can set our course. Do you realize if we never set our mind, we will never set our course? It's no different than, than a compass, but it's our spiritual compass. There are a lot of people, including me, where, and I've told you time and time again, I spent quite a few years away from the Lord. And I can define that as a time that I did not have my mind set on him. I was not on a course for him. I did not have my course set. I did not have my mind set. He was in my mind, but my mind was set on all these other things. Anybody else? can relate to that. And when that happens, those years of my life were the most unpeaceful years because I didn't have a clear direction, a course that I was on. What I want to talk to you about today will help you through every day of your life. It'll even keep you from being discouraged. It'll keep you focused. It'll help you be patient in life. It'll let you look forward to every day instead of dreading each day and living with this constant fear that something isn't going to work out the way you want it to. Anybody interested? The first thing that you need to figure out is if you're listening to this message today is, are you a Christian? Have you been saved? Can you even take what we're saying today about setting your mind and setting your course, can you take it and apply it to your life? Well, if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, then your mind can't be set on God 
until you take that first step of accepting that he is who he says he is, admitting that you are who you know you are, and that you can't get to him because of your sin. Confessing that sin. Does that mean every sin? Mercy, no. You wouldn't be able to remember every sin. You confess to him that you have sinned, that you are a sinner, that you're disconnected from him. You're not in fellowship with him. But you state your belief that Jesus Christ, who never sinned and paid that sacrifice for you, that you want to accept his sacrifice. That's what being saved is. You ask him to be your Lord and Savior. You set your mind to him. Your heart. We talk about your heart. It's that invisible part of us. But the mind is also that invisible part of us. The mind is not in here. The mind is in here. Our intellect is in here, but our intellect is not our mind. Our mind is that innermost part of us that's focused. Our heart is what we love with, it's what we feel with, but our mind is what we focus with. So many times we paint that picture and we think, hey, listen, I accepted the Lord into my heart. That means into your inner part. That's your soul, man. But your mind is what you do all your reasoning with. When I gave my heart to the Lord, the devil has been after my mind ever since. <laughs> right? But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And that's why we have to have these kind of reminders, right? Now, if you are a Christian, if you're not a Christian, the first thing you have to do is set your mind to him. But if you are a Christian, you need to know that if you're in fellowship with God, you'll have a peace and a joy in your life. No matter what happens, you'll have a sense of peace that's stronger than your sense of trouble and despair. It's hard to let somebody realize that that doesn't have their mind set on him. And believe me, when I was being told this and I didn't have my mind set on him, I also thought, well, yeah, that's really, it's going to make me have peace even in the middle of what I'm going through. But I'm here to tell you that it does. Because Isaiah 26 is true. He will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is focused on him, if your mind is set on him. That means no matter what you have going on, there's a peace about it of knowing that even when you can't handle it, he can. When you can't figure it out, he already has. And when you don't know what you're going to do, he's already done it. And so if you live in that peace of trusting him more than you, and that's what, that's what we were being told here. It's about trusting in him then you'll have that peace. But just because you've accepted the Lord as your Savior doesn't mean that you're going to have that peace. I don't want to confuse you. I want to tell you that you have the ability to have that peace. But your mind has to be set to Him. You can set your mind to Him and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And then your mind begins to wander away. Your peace is also going to begin to wander away. It says whose mind is stayed on him. That means it's constantly focused on him. You're here tonight. You set your mind and set a plan to be here tonight. I don't think anybody just happened to pull in the parking lot and said, hey, I didn't know we'd end up at church, right? You made a plan to be here tonight. You set your mind and your body followed the actions, right? But being here tonight, you're hearing the word of God. You're hearing the praise of God. So what happens? It continually sets your mind. What happens if you get away from regular worship? Where does your mind go? I have to hear it. Do you? I have to continue to hear it. If I don't continue to hear it, 
my mind will wonder. I believe sometimes, and preachers don't want to admit that, he takes the worst of us and knows that we have to continually study his word and work on sermons to keep our mind because our mind would wonder if we weren't. Don't be amen in that too much, man. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Amen all you want to. But I'm saying, if I wasn't continually focused on him, then my mind would wonder. Sometimes you look and you think, well, man, he's always in the world. I have to be. I know how I was when I wasn't. But you have to be too. There's not a different standard. You have to be too. If you begin to put things in your life that come between you and him and you stop hearing his word, you stop your fellowship time with him, you stop reading his word, you stop being faithful, you stop fellowshipping, your mind will go other places besides on him. Just so that you'll know, has that ever happened to anybody here? Raise your hand high. My goodness. But when your mind has stayed on him, how many people have went through something that normally it would have just torn you apart, but you had that faith and you trusted him? As Sister Donna said, Sister Donna said, I just gave it to him, right? I'm going to tell you a couple of things you may be able to relate to. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and you're saved, you still can lead a life of trouble and despair, fear and anxiety and sadness if you allow sin to come between you and God. The majority of Christians believe that if they accept Jesus and then try to live a good life, go to church, give to the church, make sure they don't commit any of the major sins, talk about murder, talk about stealing, fornication, adultery, any of those other sexually immoral sins, then they don't have sin in their life. And that's, that's good with them. They're in fellowship with God. If they don't have any of the major sins in their life. But the truth is, we can slip into sin against God if our mind becomes distracted. So easy. Distracted by what? Well, the first thing is, if our mind becomes too distracted by the things in this life that occupy our mind, everyday life, Busyness. Say it with me. Busyness. We're too busy to talk to God the way we should. We're too busy to worship the way we should. We're too busy to serve Him the way we should. And even when we come to hear Him, our mind is still set on something else. Busyness. And I'm convinced, and I've said this before, but I'm convinced that the devil doesn't have to make us so bad he just needs to make us too busy. If he can keep our mind busy, we don't have to be bad, do our major sins. We're just too busy to be around the Lord. Too busy. We know it. We've got him in here, but we've got that in between us and him. And so our mind isn't really set on him. It was set on him when we accepted him, but then we've taken that and we've said, well, listen, we've got all these other things going on. And of course, I need to have it set on the career I've got to make a living for my family when I'm raising my kids and taking care of my, my family. Of course it's going to be on that. But if it's set on that and not on him, I'm not going to have peace even in doing that. The Lord will always, always provide for you if you set your mind on him. 
We can also slip into sin when we have daily situations in our life that cause our minds to go into this state of fear or worry. We live a life distracted from God by our circumstances. We try to spend our time figuring out how to best solve whatever our latest problem is. Can I get a witness? Anybody? So the first thing can be busyness. The next thing can just be life circumstances. And so we let sin, we slip into sin and slip out of of our everyday fellowship with God and lose our peace because we're living in a worry and a fear. Which God says, do not worry and fear. But we live in that worry and fear because our mind is stayed on that instead of the Lord. In essence, our problem is bigger than the Lord. Or else we would give it to Him. So, it could be busyness, or it could just be fear and worry. Both of those things allow us to slip into sin. And so many Christians today are so focused on how they're going to solve their problem when Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer I've overcome the world but our mind just gets locked in it we can't get it off our mind has that ever happened to you here's what I'm going to do I'm going to go and pray about it I'm going to give it to the Lord so I get to pray and ask the Lord Lord Got this situation that I want to give to you. And do you realize that sometimes in the middle of when I'm giving my troubled situation, I've thought about a whole lot to the Lord. I begin to think about it all over again. And and I step out of the prayer and I'm focused on what I'm thinking about. Again, has that ever happened to anybody? Be truthful. Here I was trying to take my concern to the Lord and I tried to start solving it again while I was taking it to him. I wasn't really giving it to him. I was just saying, hey, listen, I've got a plan. If you can work out my plan, but I didn't truly set my mind on him and freely give it to him. Was that because I didn't trust him? Oh, I would never admit that I didn't trust him. He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him who trusteth in the Lord. We also can slip into sin when we begin to look at everything that happens in our life and begin to focus on everything that's negative. We fail to see the, the positive things. When we set our mind on the things that we don't have and the things that we can't do, it causes us to live a life that has no joy or victory. You've been around this person before, haven't you? You don't want to admit we've been this person before, but you've been around this person. This is what they can't do. This is what they can't have. This is what's going wrong. You say, is that sin? I'm saying you slip into sin when you begin to focus on the negative and what you can't have and and lose your contentment in the Lord. Why? Because your mind is set on everything negative that's happening. And it's not just for you. If anybody's around you long enough, you can help them slip into it. The sin of distraction through our busyness, through our fear of worry and through negativity. If we slip into any of these areas of sin, then we're not in fellowship with God because God can have no fellowship with sin. For the saved person, are you still saved? Absolutely. You don't stop being a child of God. My son, he's going to be my son. 
whether he disappoints me, whether he chooses not to talk to me, whether he chooses uh, to not be around me, whether he chooses to disobey me, he's still going to be my son. But we're not going to be in good fellowship, are we? No, we're going to be in good fellowship when, when everything's clear between us, when he's living in obedience, when he's showing love and I'm showing love and we're trying to be unselfish to each other. That's when a relationship, so when I say fall out of fellowship with God, you're going to lose your peace. I'm going to lose my peace when I let these things creep into my life because my mind is set on busyness, on negativity, or on fear worry. When this happens, we don't look at it as a major sin, but it's a sin that, that hurts our fellowship because we're not pleasing God. We're not trusting God. Because of that, there's no way He can give us the joy and the peace that He talks about in Isaiah. You see, our mind is something that we have to make sure of. And I never thought about it this way, but... As he said in the book of Colossians that we're supposed to set our affection, set our mind, I began to look at it this way and began to think. He told us that our mind is something we have to set. Now get this. So many times as a Christian, I put so many things on God. God, can you do this? Don't you? I know God's going to help me through this. God's going to do this for me. God's going to do that. But do you realize when he says set your mind, he's saying that's something you have to do. God doesn't set your mind for you. You have to set your own mind. It could say, set your own mind on things above. So many times I put the responsibility of my Christian life on God and the Holy Spirit uh, leading me to do it as if, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to take care of this. God's going to take care of this. But there are some things that God wants us to do. When he tells us to do things, we can't spiritualize everything and say, hey, God's going to do this. God's going to do this. How many times have we gathered around and say, God's going to do this? There's some things God wants us to do. I'm responsible to set my own mind. Now, how do I set it? I set it by trusting in him, trusting in the truth of his word, trusting in his provision, trusting in his protection, trusting in his leading, trusting him more than I trust myself. That way I will set my mind. But if not... You can't set my mind. I can't set your mind. You know, I can give you the word and I can give you a sermon, but there are people that are sitting in here that come in this place and sit in here and their mind is not changed a bit. They can hear it, but it's up to them to set it. Every person that is lost has never accepted the Lord as their Savior that heard the gospel message refused to set their mind. They wouldn't turn it. That's what repentance is, to make a turn. Our mind is something we have to set. So many people give their heart to Christ, but after that, they don't set their mind to the things of God. And I think it helps me to know that God doesn't set our minds. We have to set our own mind. We, we set our mind by choosing to believe and trust in what he says. I want you to listen to what Paul said here. In Colossians 3.1, If you then have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. This is a direct instruction to Christians. Set your mind on things above, not on things here. 
But the things here are right in front of us, aren't they? The things here are the things that we're dealing with. These things here, boy, they're, they're present, they're real. The things here are temporary. It makes me think about a scripture that I didn't plan to read, but I'm going to read it. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just listen. It says, verse 15, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now listen to this. While we look not at the things which are seen, but we, but we see but we seek the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What Paul is saying is we get caught up in the things that we can see. Well, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Correct? This is a pretty, pretty big ask here. It's a tall challenge. How am I not supposed to set my mind on things that are right in front of me? Well, you have a choice to set your mind on things that are right in front of you. You have a choice to live in fear. You have a choice to, to have the other people around you live in fear. You have a choice. It takes a lot of effort to set your mind on him. That's why we're continually reminded to. You have to continue to persevere, to be around him, to be in his word. But this direct instruction is key. God's actually telling us that we have to Set our own mind. It doesn't just happen. You can't just not set your mind and expect to get to the place that God wants you to be with him. Here's what I'll do. I'll start coming to church and I'll just be around some other people. That will help. But you have to set your own mind. Tell the person beside of you, you have to set your own mind. I can't do it for you. I hope you do. But you have to set your own mind. If we leave here with nothing besides that tonight, I want, I want to let you know, so many people have wandered and floundered in their Christian walk because of that one particular point. They assume that because they come somewhere and they're around other people that have their mindset, that in some way or another, that sets their mind. You have to have a time where you set your mind on him, and then it has to be refreshed daily. Set your mind on it. Set your mind on it. If you're not, your mind will wander to something else. It's the way we are, and Paul's going to explain it to us here coming up in just a, a little bit. To set something. How do you set something? To set something is to prepare something in anticipation of a desired outcome. I like that definition. To set something is to prepare something in anticipation of a desired outcome. You know, I always knew when the table was being set that food was coming, right? Why do we set, what do we call setting the table, right? Now, before you go on a trip, sometimes now you'll set the GPS, right? In hopes of the desired outcome. To set, that means you're making effort to do it. God tells us we have to set our mind on things above. That is things of God. Not just things above like, hey, I'm going to think about heaven. I have to set my mind on pleasing God and my relationship with God. We have to set our mind to the fact that we're a child of God, that nothing in this world can destroy us, and that even if we die, we live forever. 
Paul said, and I love this, sometimes if you are just wanting to read one of the true just gems of the Bible, if you say, hey, I've, got, I've got a chapter that I want to read, I want to memorize, make it Romans 8. Romans 8 is so powerful, encouraging for a Christian. Listen to what Paul said. Paul said, and let's read it together. Turn to Romans 8. He said in verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth uh, our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I want you to realize that in this little nugget here, we're being told that he'll help us. He won't do it for us because just like you told your neighbor, you have to set your own mind, but the Holy Spirit will lead us. This is the point I'm trying to make here. Sometimes when trouble comes, that is the time that we're motivated to set our mind to him. It's when we run out of our own mind. We run out of our own, our own capabilities. We'll set our mind to him. But do we just randomly do that? No. That's when the Holy Spirit's voice is so loud. Sometimes we don't even know what to say, and it says he makes intercession for us. So what will he do? Well, God wants us to set our mind to him, so the Holy Spirit will keep on bringing up what we need to put our mind on. So if someone refuses, like I've reiterated this, and I know it's easier to talk about me than it is you, but for those times that I was away from God, it wasn't that the Holy Spirit stopped working, it was that I was refusing what he was saying. That's sad. And so what was the reward? Continue not to live in peace. Continue broken fellowship. Whereas the Holy Spirit was right there saying, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. If I refuse that, then I'm refusing to set my mind. I had my mind set on something else. Even in my calling, when he called me, and I know that he called me to preach, my mind was set on something else. That's why I ran from my calling. It was set on my ambition that I wanted. Paul said, no matter if trouble comes, he's there. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Amen? You might have been in some of those situations before, but understand that as long as you're with the Lord, you're going to have peace in them not destroyed do what you want to with me but you can't take what he's given me what could keep someone like paul full of joy and peace and anticipation you think about what paul faced the answer is he had the right mindset we're talking about mindset tonight 
He set his mind on things above, not on things of the earth. He set his mind on eternal things, not on temporary things. Peter alluded to it when he said, hey, your mind can go here, gird up the loins of your minds. But Paul, to the church at Colossae, he was telling us, set your mind, because he had set his mind. And if Paul realized there was a problem with him, yeah. Paul realized that he had to be intentional to set his mind. Do you realize to set your mind you have to be intentional? It's not just going to randomly happen to you? Turn to Romans chapter 7, please. Paul realized that he did not have the goodness inside of him to please God. He knew that sin was lurking right around the corner. So tonight, when I told you about that sin of busyness that keeps you from being in fellowship with God, when you set your mind away from Him on something else, do you realize how that's lurking? That'll be lurking there tomorrow, right? Do you realize that sin of negativity will be lurking there tomorrow? Do you realize that sin of fear and worry will be lurking there tomorrow when you set your mind on that instead of the Lord's capability to handle? It's right there. Paul realized that, hey, we're born with this fleshly body that has a sin nature. And he addressed that in Romans chapter 7. He realized that his body wanted to sin. And if his mind went along with it, then he would sin. So Paul tells us what we need to do in Romans 7. So are you in Romans 7 yet? Let's start reading in verse 18. Paul said, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that what I would not, it's no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. This is Paul speaking, not me. I find in a law, that is a truth, that when I would do good, evil is present within me. How many people know it's lurking right around the corner, right? Where does it lurk first? In your hand? No. Does it work first in your mouth? No. All these people that are committing sexually immoral sins, does it work first in some kind of sexually immoral part that you have? No. Starts in the mind, right? That's what he said. That flesh flesh, this body of sin, man, he hits it on the head. Listen, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members. That means in my body, warring against the law of my mind. Anybody ever been in this battle? What I want to do is war against what I know I should do, right? My mind is everywhere. But what do I need to do? Set my mind on him. It'll never disappoint you to set your mind on him. It says, I see another law, verse 23, in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Now listen, his desperation. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Verse 25, the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, listen, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. What did Paul do? This is huge. He separated his mind and his flesh. Comes together, but Paul said, I have to be intentional to separate what I know I should do and let my mind be set on him. This is huge. This is the answer to a lot of our troubles. So with this mind, 
I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He tells us that we can battle sin by setting our mind through the power of Jesus Christ since we're saved. Why do we want to battle sin? Sin to a believer is what separates us from God. That's when you're going to lose your peace. And sin's always lurking, as he said. It comes with your physical package. It comes with my physical package. The only way to battle it is to set my mind on him. The law of the gospel of Christ is more powerful than the law of sin inside of us. Amen. I've given you this example before, but there are certain things. A law is a truth, so I feel like I could give it again. A law is a truth. So, you take certain laws, we have different laws or truths that, that we know work, right? So, law of gravity. Let's talk about the law of gravity, right? Law of gravity means that if I drop this, what's going to happen? I don't want to drop my water. Let's drop this. If I drop this, 100% chance, what do you know is going to happen? How many people believe that it's just going to stay here? Anybody? Law of gravity. Do you understand the law of gravity? Oh, some of you say you do, right? <laughs> you know how it works, but you understand the, the magnetic pull and all those kind of things. And law of gravity. What can fight the law of gravity? I'll tell you what. If you were deciding that you were going to fly somewhere today, then you would go and you would jump in a, a jet, right? And that jet would rise above the earth, and that jet would hover and fly somewhere. Why? Well, it's because the law of aerodynamics. The law of aerodynamics say that if you are able to offset that pull with propulsion and force, you're able to elevate and maintain, then you can defy the law of gravity. So the law of aerodynamics defies the law of gravity until your fuel runs out, right? <laughs> But still, it defies the law of gravity. What Paul is saying is that law, that law of the gospel of truth, that, that law, that truth that, that you can set your mind on God and he can handle it. You can set your mind on him. It will help you overwhelm that truth of the flesh that says, I want to do things and set my mind to the things I want to set. Don't think, hey, I've been trying to do this and it won't work. I'm telling you, the Bible tells you, you can. We're already in Romans 7, so I want to read you the first part of Romans 8 so that you can see this. In Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Listen, for the law of the Spirit of the life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. How about that? For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for our sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk after the, not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Did you hear that? Hold on. They that are after the flesh do mind. What does that mean? That means they've set their mind to the things that the Spirit has told them. I have an opportunity every time the Holy Spirit convicts me to do what God wants me to do or to leads me. When He leads me, He's pulling. 
Has anybody ever pulled back? Yeah, that law of the flesh wants to pull back. You have a choice to set your mind to him. He'll lead you to do it so the Holy Spirit helps us. You know, I think about the children of Israel leaving Egypt. You know what God told them from the time that he, he promised them the promised land? We call it the promised land. He said it's a land flowing with what? Milk and honey. God gave this example in the Old Testament. He delivered them from the bondage of Egypt and he kept telling them to set their mind on the promised land. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. He told them not to look back, but to look forward. Not to look at the present situation, but to look ahead. Keep thinking about that milk and honey. Not to look at what they saw, but look at what he was promising. This is big. God promises you everything if you're a child of his. The Bible is a book full of his promises, his revelation and his promises. The milk and honey is a picture of the peace and contentment. Think about it. The milk is more than water. It's a luxury. The honey, the honey is more than food. It's a luxury. It strengthens, it satisfies. The milk strengthens, it satisfies. He's drawing us there the same way he's drawing them there. Listen to Paul as he tells the church at Philippi how to set their mind. And this will probably be the last scripture that I give you and we can end here. It's Philippians chapter 3. It's the same thing that God was showing us in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, as he led the children of Israel out. Verse 13, Philippians 3. Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth into the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. Do you see that? He said, set your mind this way. And if anything... You be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, listen, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. For our conversation, that means our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I want you to realize how packed full this scripture is. He's saying that you have a choice of what you set your mind to. But if you're going to set your mind to the things of the Lord, then you need to pick the things of the Lord and it needs to be your milk and honey. And that's what you need to set your mind to. Don't look back. Press forward toward that mark of the prize of the high calling of God. Right. But he said there's some that started that way and he described them differently. I I think this is telling here in verses 17 through 19. 
He basically said, follow this pattern, but do not follow the pattern of the lost world. And he described them this way, whose God is their belly. What do you mean whose God is their belly? Anybody in here ever get hangry? Man, when you're hungry, you need to eat. You need to satisfy that hunger. That's the only thing that's on your mind. Whose God is their belly? They want what they want now to satisfy them. They're not thinking about looking ahead to the milk and honey. I want what I want now. Do you know that that is the lure that the devil is putting out to the entire world? Satisfy yourself now. Satisfy yourself with physical pleasure. Satisfy yourself with sexual immoral pleasure. Satisfy yourself with any kind of, of greed or that kind of pleasure. Satisfy yourself with power and pleasure. Do it now. YOLO. Right now. You only live once. Do it. Take it. Don't look for the milk and honey. Don't set your, your, uh, your course ahead. Don't set your compass. Don't set your mind. Your mind can go wherever it wants to go to satisfy. Why? Because your God is your belly. Their God is their belly. They're serving their cravings. When I say they, we all have that capacity to do that too, don't we? Is it even fair to say they? Well, it is in this situation because he's talking about people who are, who are not having their minds set to him, but we could easily slip into that kind of person, right? But he's talking about unbelievers here. They acted like they were, but their God is their belly. That's what they're worshiping. They're worshiping this temporary, whatever they're craving, whatever feels good, whatever looks good. Verse 20 and 21, you need to remember that Paul said you have a place in heaven reserved for you because God loves you, because you're accepted his gift of Jesus, because you're his child. He's going to take you away from this temporary and give you a new body, a new home for all of eternity. Pretty good deal on our part, right? Paul's saying if you set your mind to that, if you set your mind to the milk and honey and know that God's going to give you the manna until you get to the milk and honey, and that's what he did, right? I'm taking you to a land of milk and honey. I'm going to give you manna on the way. Don't you know that God throws us some manna on the way to the milk and honey? He's going to make sure. He wants our mind to stay set. The Holy Spirit's going to continue to lead us. I can't stress it enough that the the key to our peace, our lack of peace, is whether we have our minds set on him. He knows whether we have it set on him. And I'll close with Philippians 4, verse 4 through 7, since you're already in Philippians 3. Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful or be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which path all understanding, listen, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This word keep means guard. That peace that God wants to give you when your mind is set on him will also guard your mind from any of those other things. You know, God wants us 
to set our mind on him so that he can prove himself to us. In the Bible, he wants to prove himself to us. He's that father that wants us to to be able to trust him. And so he'll let things, he'll let things happen that we don't even understand to show us his power to, to fix them. You set your mind to what God's promised you because you accepted Jesus Christ and he'll guard your heart and mind. How? Through the power of your salvation. So what have we learned? Number one, we have to set our mind. We have to set our mind. You have to set your mind. I have to set my mind. The Holy Spirit's going to help. He wants me to do it, but I have to set it. You have to set it. You have to be intentional. It's something that he asks us to do. Not set our minds to our schedules and other interests that distract us, our busyness. You say, well, how do you get away from your schedules? How do you get away from your business? I've just got so much going on that I, I can't set my mind to him. Well, I guess God has just messed up on, on this with you. I guess you're just an unfixable person. I'm somebody that asked that same question before. How in the world am I supposed to set my mind and focus on all these things? I don't know. You think God can't handle that, right? I mean, think about what we're saying here. I've got so much going on, I can't focus on him right now. Really? With that same mind that he's allowing you to think with, the same breath that he's giving you to say that, the same cognitive ability that he's giving you to even think that thought, you're saying you're too busy to set your mind to him. As if you've got to have all this under control to make life work. What's God doing up there? Just twiddling his thumbs, just waiting on you to get it right? No. Seek him first and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Words of Jesus. Or maybe I'm wrong. You would be able to tell me if you're caught up in that business where your mind is so set on those things you can't set it on him. Maybe you're that person, that unordinary person that, that still has a lot of peace. Wrong. You don't have both. You don't have peace and separation from God if you're a Christian, right? You set your mind to him and watch what happens to your peace. And watch what happens with him handling your busyness. You say, you don't understand the kind of, of job I've got and what it demands of me. Really? Maybe I have an idea. But if you don't set your mind to him, nothing's going to change. Either he can work it out or you can keep continuing to work it out. It depends on what you want to set your mind to. And then maybe it's that fear and worry. Big caution here. So many Christians proclaiming the cross and praising the Lord, living in fear and worry. Living in fear and worry. Separated by that sin of fear and worry. Why? They haven't set their mind to his ability. They always pick it back up. They take it. Their mind goes everywhere with it. And then finally in desperation, if nothing else works, then they give it to him. But do they really give it to him? And then that negativity. Just focusing on what we don't have, focusing what other people have, focusing on what we want, what we can't get, setting our mind to everything bad that's going on instead of seeing what's good that's going on. How many people have peace doing that? We just don't. 
How many have peace in the middle of worry and fear? Doesn't work. How many people have peace in the midst of, of busyness and trying to work out all those things? Yes, life is going to keep you busy. Life is going to give you circumstances that might cause you to have a thought that comes in of worry. And life is going to give you things that you're going to look at as negative. But in all three cases, he says, set your mind on me. Period. Father God said that, not me. I'm just repeating it. I need to hear it as much as anybody in here needs to hear it. But Christian, this was for you tonight. If you're not a Christian, first thing you have to do is set your mind to him. If you are a Christian, think tonight. Would he say my mind is set on him or on other things? What do I need to do? I'll go take you back to the first scripture. What did Peter say? Gird up the loins of your mind tonight. Get on your knees to God and say, hey, I know I've lost my peace. I just want to reel it back in. I want my mind to be fixed on you. I know the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's leading you right now because it told us the Holy Spirit is going to help us get our mind back on him. You have to be intentional. Will you talk to God tonight and say, God, I want to set my mind on you? He would love to hear it. He's a father that would love to hear it. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time you give us this evening. We thank you for your word. Lord, when we look at our mindset, we know that you already know where our mind is. I pray, God, that you would let us be conscious of it this evening. I pray, God, that conversations happen during this invitation and our mindset, Lord, goes back to where it needs to go. If there's any area in our life, Lord, that we continue to let our mind wander to, we ask you for help. We know, God, that you tell us to cry out to you. You'll make intercession for us even when we don't know what to pray. God, listen to the prayers tonight. I know you want to help us with this. We want our mind to be set on you. We want to set our mind, Lord, on your promises. We want to set our mind on the milk and honey. We thank you, God, for allowing us to be your children. Listen to the prayers tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.